Uh, two things. One is money in the basket. Uh, we're going to try to get it to Iraq. You've, you've heard of in Syria. You've heard of the troubles that, you know, it gets worse every day. The reports this morning of people being crucified, Christians being crucified, actually. Uh, yeah, behead, beheading children, and, and uh, you know, you don't quite know exactly what to believe, but you can believe enough that it's bad enough. Matt Harrison, the president, sent out a letter yesterday saying, uh, we are giving money, but we can't tell you exactly how we're doing it. We've vetted the people, but if we tell you how we're doing it, we'll expose them, and they'll be in danger and won't be able to do it. Occasionally, when church leaders say to you, you need to trust me on this one, you need to trust them. We need to trust them. You know, most times things are pretty transparent, but occasionally when somebody says to you, a pastor or a president says, you just need to trust me on this one, you need to trust them on this one. So we'll send the money in that direction. Uh, John Crow, if you're in here, I'll get to you, and we'll figure out exactly where that has to go, okay? And we may, we'll figure out how, how that works out. So that's the, the sad news. Please uh, keep working on that. The happy news is that John finally said, um, you know, he's a great blessing to us. Part of the, what I realized when John is here and Claire as well, is what a strain it is on them. Uh, people work them extraordinarily hard. Uh, you probably wonder why we didn't have a Saturday seminar. Part of it is, is we just can't press them that hard after they come halfway around the world. John did, however, not a lot of you know this, although some do. We had a gathering for about uh, 60 people, primarily pastors and their wives, primarily pastors who have had some challenge or in difficult straits or needed some encouragement as well as their wives. So John spent uh, Friday afternoon with them, and then we had dinner for, for the group. Uh, we talked to our elders about this, how we could be more encouraging. Um, there's a lot of things that are discouraging the world. We thought about how we could be more encouraging. So John and Claire were here to uh, bless those pastors, and so he worked hard on Friday, and then we, you know, we had dinner downtown with, with the whole group. And for many of them who, you know, don't have a lot of money, aren't blessed as we are, uh, we provided childcare and kind of gave them a date night with their wives. So it was very, very nice. So thank you very much. I mean, all the little things where you where you tithe and you give alms and there's money sitting around, the elders can say, yes, yeah, okay, if you go ahead and do that. All those little things actually make a difference. And it kind of all comes together on a weekend like this when John is here. So we're very grateful that he's here. We're grateful that Claire is here. Um, this is your, you know, 30 minutes with him, and then off he goes to the next nine things that have been scheduled, mm -hmm. and eventually then uh, back to Australia. But you bless us. We're very grateful. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here, and thank you, Scott. And it's nice to see you all and to um, uh, see so many familiar faces and quite a few new faces. I'm also very happy to be speaking to you on this topic, which is seeing what we hear. I'm going to talk about spiritual imagination. Imagining the, what is from a human point of view, unimaginable. Jesus said, blessed are the eyes that see what you see not just to his disciples 2,000 years ago, and he was talking to the 70 evangelists whom he had sent out, and they went out with fear and trembling, and they came back rejoicing because they saw God at work through them. And they came back elated. And, and Jesus sort of tries to tone them down a bit uh, and gets them focused away from 
uh, what, uh, the, the fact that even the demons submit to them. He says, no, no, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And then he goes on uh, giving a prayer of thanksgiving to God the Father. And then he has this to say. Then Jesus turned to his disciples, that's you. And he said privately, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Now there's more than one kind of seeing, and I could spend a long time just, just unpacking that. But uh, uh, what I want to focus on is what kind of seeing do you have, and that's not just some of you, but each one of you, what kind of seeing do you have as a disciple of Christ? What kind of seeing, um, this is rhetorical, so yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, otherwise I wouldn't get through this. What kind of seeing comes from hearing God's word with faith? Okay, there's a kind of seeing that's connected with hearing and comes from hearing. Now, there's a close connection, if you don't realize it, uh, it's obvious enough, between hearing and seeing. Now, I've spent most of my life as a teacher, and it's very hard teaching people. They, you can teach them facts, but they still don't get it. And so I say, do you get it? They say, nah. Nah. That's the story of my life. Nah. And then occasionally the light goes on and they say, ah, I get it. I get it. I don't just hear it, but I see it. I see what you are saying. Now, um, what's at work here from a human point of view is imagination. Now, each one of you has, has been given an imagination by God. And uh, a modern society with television and the whole uh, 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 video kind of world we have has actually enhanced our capacity to imagine. Now, imagination is the capacity to uh, not just hear words and understand words, but to form a mental picture, to form a mental picture in your mind. Um, now, and that's one key word that I just want to drop on you. And the other one is the term imagery. Imagery is the use of words as pictures to uh, evoke something that is perceived by one of more of five senses. So we have five physical senses, um, hearing, sight, smell, taste, touch. Um, now, imagination and Im imagery is language that's used to, uh, if you like, appeal to one of those five senses. Um, so, for example, take something that's very familiar. Uh, we speak about a thunder clap. A thunder clap. Now, um, that's a picture. It's not a literal description. Now, the thunder doesn't actually go like that. But it's a picture that appeals to two senses. Can you, can you get the two senses? Number one, it's hearing, but the other one is also seeing because you see that. 
And those two goes together. So you see somebody clapping, and you hear a clap, and you say, that's what that uh, uh, thunder is like. The thunder is like a person clapping the hands. Huh? That's the picture you see. Um, now, um, commonly, people who communicate well, people who uh, not only communicate well, but make it easy for you to listen and to receive what they're saying, it make it easy for you to hear, use imagery to not only say things, but to show you what they are saying so that you see what's being said. With me? So um, a, a good communicator uses imagery, picture language, to show you what he's saying so that you see what is being said. Now, uh, as you all know, uh, the Bible is full of picture language, imagery, stories, parables, uh, from the beginning to the very end. And by means of imagery, pictures, God shows us what is otherwise unseen. He doesn't just speak to us in abstract terms, but he speaks to us in picture language. If you like, he runs a little movie for us um, to show us what he's saying. Um, and uh, 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 he speaks to us and he gives us his Holy Spirit uh, so that we see what God's saying. So this morning, some of you have gone to church, others of you will go to church. There's a lot of words here. Um, now, what the Holy Spirit does is comes in through the, the Word, the Holy Spirit comes to you and gets you to see what's actually happening here. And amazing things are happening here every Sunday. What's the problem? Most of us don't see what's going on. Um, uh, so the first thing the Holy Spirit does is gives us a vision of what's going on, opening our eyes. So we say, aha, I see it. I get it. Um, and then in, in the second way, the Holy Spirit comes and uh, reshapes our imagination so that we don't just see things um, in the way we normally see things, but comes to reshape our imagination and, and revises the way we see things. So if you like, you come to church with a worldly vision, worldly way of thinking, which is imposed to you on, on you by the society, and what the Holy Spirit wants to do is to, to, to reframe you, re rewire things, so that you see your life and everything that's happening to you with God's eyes, rather than with the eyes of fallen, sinful human beings. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, to to, to revision, to get you to uh, revision things. Now, um, one of the strange things about our Christian faith is the teaching of the Incarnation. Why, why is it that God, the Father, sends his Son to become a human being and to live a human, physical human life, conceived in a mother's womb, born the normal way, uh, from the womb of his mother, um, growing up as a child, going through puberty, going all living a full human life and dying a human death. 
Hey? Now, uh, there, there's many reasons why God chose to go that way to save us and to bring us back to himself. But one of the reasons is that uh, um, the, he became a human being to show us in human worm, in human terms, what he is like so that we see God the Father in Jesus. And it doesn't just stop there, but we see ourselves, men, women, old, young, attractive, unattractive, but we see ourselves in Jesus. So we see God in his Son, and we see ourselves in his Son. We get a vision of what we are really like. We get a vision of what you can't see when you look at yourself in a mirror. Just listen to what Luther has to say about the incarnation of God's Son. He says, God, God sent his Son um, and presented his Son to us in physical terms. Um, not, not just one sense. He didn't just send his Son to speak to us, but to engage with us in all our five senses. Physically, uh, concretely, bodily, and with all five senses. So Luther says, God in his divine wisdom arranges to manifest himself, show himself to human beings by some definite and visible form which can be seen with the eyes and touched with the hands, in short, within the scope of the five senses. Notice his Touched with hands. Where does this happen supremely? Lord's Supper. Um, he touches us and we touch him. We have him in, in our hands like Simeon with baby Jesus. But he doesn't just present himself in one or two senses, but he, he presents himself to us so that we hear him, we see him, we, ta- we smell him, we taste him, we touch him. One of the reasons I like coming here and being part of this congregation and this church is because uh, 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 the kind of worship here emphasizes the engagement of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God the Father with us in all five senses. Now, better watch out because I'm I'm getting wound up in case you don't (laughs) realise. And my wife knows that once this happens, I lose all sense of time. I'm already beginning to think I'm in eternity. <laughs> now, I think what's helpful for me, and I, I put it to you without uh, 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 any argument, um, uh, what's helpful to me is a very ancient teaching about uh, three different kinds of um, God-given senses and sensibil- or sensibilities. Senses, um, the old, more accurately, sensibility. That's the ability to sense and perceive things. Five different ones. And Luther refers to the, this in uh, his explanation of the first article of the Creed, where he says, God has uh, given me my reason. Now, that's not a good translation. My understanding and all my Now, Luther's thinking not just of physical senses, but he's thinking of all five, uh, three different kinds of senses. 
Number one, obviously, there are the physical senses, um, uh, our ability to perceive things physically. So I can hear, you can hear, uh, we can see, we can smell, we can taste, we can touch. So we engage in, with each other in the physical world with our five senses. Apart from those five senses, we have no contact with anything outside of us. We're locked in ourselves. They are windows to the world around us. But we don't actually, do you realise, we don't actually see with our eyes. We don't actually hear with our ears. We hear with this. We see with this. Which leads me to the second kind of sensibility. So uh, uh, we not only have hearing, but we have understanding what we hear. Um, we not only have sight, but we have vision. We, we not only have smell, but uh, we have discrimination. We not only have taste, but we can discriminate, uh, we can uh, enjoy, we can appreciate things. Say, this is nice, this is yuck. Um, very important physical sense. Um, uh, 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 we have the, and then, then there's the very important sense of touch, feeling. Um, I could speak a lot about feeling because uh, in many ways you live in a society where feeling supreme, but feeling has become disconnected in modern thinking from the actual physical this. This is feeling. And uh, we talk a lot about feelings, but we identify them with emotions. But that's another story. Um, now, corresponding to those five senses, there are uh, five spiritual sensibilities or senses. So Hebrews 5 verse 14 said, speaks about the mature Christian. He talks about um, uh, uh, infant Christians, young Christian, baby Christians who need solid milk. I don't know if you remember that passage. Need to be fed with solid milk, but um, uh, uh, with milk rather. But solid food is for those who are mature. So uh, you have uh, elementary teaching of the faith, and then you have uh, advanced teaching of the faith, if you like, a teaching to those who are ready for it, who are mature enough to 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 receive it. And he says that talks about the mature people in faith who have their powers of discernment their senses, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. People have had their senses, their five senses, trained by practice, habit, um, to distinguish good from evil. Now, I don't know whether you realise, uh, you think, oh, okay, that's so plain and obvious. Do you realise the hardest thing of all is uh, to, do, to actually distinguish between good and evil. Any of you had been in a position of leadership know it's very, very difficult to read people. Um, why is it? Because bad people present a good front. And good people do what? They keep their mouths shut. They don't show off. They don't <laughs> parade themselves like me here. Um, they're modest, they're humble, um, and this goes at every level, that uh, what's good is not obvious, what's evil is not obvious. 
um, at the deepest level of spiritual good and spiritual evil is the hardest thing of all to discern. Now the work of the Holy is this the Holy Spirit or is this another spirit? Is this the evil spirit that's at work here? So trying to distinguish between good and evil. So if I can have just a little bit of an aside here, um, had some involvement in dealing with the occult. Um, now one of the things about it is that you can feel where the devil's at work. It's cold. Uh, and you can actually, it's funny, a sense of smell. It stinks. It stinks. Uh, senses train. Now the problem that we have, and I, I don't want to talk about all the senses, but the problem that we have is that we have eyes but we don't see. Again and again in the scriptures God laments. They have eyes but they don't see. Seeing they don't see. Hearing they don't understand. Um, and there's three kinds of goodness then, corresponding to these three kinds of God-given senses. Um, starting off with spiritual perception, to see uh, what's good in the spiritual realm, the goodness of God, which is hidden. Now, when you look at the world around us today, do you see God's good world here? Do you see God's goodness everywhere? In the USA, in Syria, in Iraq? What do you see? Evil. Do you see it in your own lives? Do you see it in this congregation? Okay, to see what's good in relationship to God, but also to see what's good in relationship to each other. The sad thing is, very often, the people we, for the people closest to us, we see what's bad, but we don't see what's good in it. One of the tragedies of marriage is that we stop seeing what's good and beautiful in our spouse, and we get more and more irritable by what's bad. Um, and then good in the world is large. So, corresponding to the five physical senses, you have five spiritual senses. There's spiritual hearing. Um, uh, so, uh, God speaking to Solomon when he was very young, um, who was in an absolute quandary because he didn't know which way to turn. Um, God promises to give him a hearing not hearing ears, not hearing mind, but a hearing heart. Okay? Hearing with the heart. Uh, or Paul talks about the hearing of faith. Okay? He says there's, there's physical hearing, there's mental hearing, but what saves you is the hearing of faith. Secondly, um, there's spiritual sight. Paul talks about the eyes of the heart being enlightened by the Holy Spirit so that you see what's unseen. You imagine what, from a human point of view, is unimaginable. I mean, it's unimaginable that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, live in me. It's unimaginable that Jesus was there this morning blessing you, speaking to you, giving you his body and blood. From a human point of view, that's unimaginable. Thirdly, uh, and this, this is um, uh, not spoken about much in modern times because of our funny way of experiencing the world, but ancient Christians, all the way through to the Reformation and beyond, used to speak a lot about spiritual smell. Uh, 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 how 
evil stinks. It's putrid. Words are putrid. Or they uh, speak about the life-giving fragrance of God's grace through the proclamation of the gospel. So Paul says about wherever the gospel is being proclaimed, it's as if there's a procession where incense, like in the service here, incense is being, <coughs> sweet smell is being spread all around. So there's the sweetness of the gospel and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. One of the great things about your church is that you use incense. This is the reason why. So that you smell the gospel. You don't just hear and see it, but you smell it. Um, then there's spiritual taste. It's all over the place in the Bible, once, if you want to look at it. I'm doing a commentary on Hebrews, and that, these are the following pictures that are using. Hebrews talks about us as Christians having tasted the heavenly gift of the Holy Spirit. He talks, he's thinking about people being baptized and immediately after baptism uh, receiving Holy Communion and actually tasting the Holy Spirit and all the gifts of the Spirit. So tasting the heavenly gift in Holy Communion um, talks about the, the, the tasting the goodness of the Word of God. You think? So God's Word is not just to be heard, it's meant to be tasted in your mouth by being repeated and chewing over it and enjoying it um, the way a dog chews at a bone. Uh, tasting the goodness of the Word of God. And it then talks about tasting the powers of the world to come. Um, so you taste in Holy Communion. Uh, 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 you have a foretaste. You taste what you will enjoy fully when you are in heaven. Oh, notice the sense of taste here? Um, lastly, there's spiritual touch. Um, one of my father's favourite pictures is, comes from Ezekiel and the heart transplant that God promises to give to his people in the new covenant. He said, um, uh, basically, the picture is this, that all of us have hearts that are as hard as stone, which means stone is basically insensible and insensitive. You can touch stone, but stone doesn't feel, um, doesn't respond. And that's the way we are with God. Our hearts are hardened. Notice that picture? That's a tactile picture. Our hearts are hardened so that we don't feel God. We don't sense him. Um, and so Ezekiel promises that there'll be heart transplant. The old heart will be taken out and we will receive a heart of flesh that has skin to it and is sensitive to God's touch. Now, how does God touch us? It's through his word. Through his word. Luther speaks about the most tender, precious touch of the word of God, of the gospel. Um, uh, he touches us in Holy Communion. Have you ever noticed how frequently in the New Testament we have stories about how people come out and touch Jesus? And how frequently, even more commonly, Jesus comes out and touches people. People who are untouchable. In many cases, people who have never been touched. One of my favorite stories about a woman with uncontrolled menstrual bleeding, 12 years. Just imagine having not been touched by anybody for 12 years, you women. And Jesus 
she comes out, she touches the hem of Jesus' garment, um, and Jesus turns around and he's, he touches her with her, his word. He says, daughter, uh, don't be afraid. Uh, go your way. You are healed from your affliction. So, by attending, by listening to, by, by exposing ourselves to the Word of God, when we come to church, we hear, first of all, what He says to us. That's the basic point of engagement. It's through the ears. But it doesn't stop there. We hear what He says to us in the divine service. We see what He offers to us, gives to us, presents to us in the divine service. We taste his, we sense the fragrance of his grace, if in no other way, in the incense that fills the church. We taste his goodness in Holy Communion and we feel his word as we are touched by it. Um, I don't... um, Know whether you realise how closely speaking and particular kinds of speaking are connected with touching. Um, That if somebody speaks nicely to you, attentively to you, lovingly to you, it's as if they touch you. Isn't it? Um, Women know this much better than men. And that's why speaking is so important and listening even in connection with sexual intercourse, but that's another story. Now, how are we going? Okay. Oh, yes. I've got to finish. Quarter two. Quarter two. Okay. Um, so, the project is this. Um, God wants to uh, communicate himself to us through our five senses, particularly the imagination, which has to do with the five senses, So he communicates with us five senses, not only so that we get to know God and experience God, but so that he transforms us. He transforms our five senses. He renews our five senses. The problem is this. How do we, who are spiritually blind, see what God says to us in his word? How do we see what God gives to us in his word? How can we see what God does to us in his word? The answer is given most clearly in a large passage from Corinthians chapter 2. Maybe you can unpack this more fully, um, but I'll just read it through and focus on one or two things from it. Paul says, we speak God's wisdom, the wisdom of God in dealing with us practically in mystery. So we're dealing with a mystery which is not directly accessible to our senses. We speak God's wisdom in mystery, his hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age recognized. But as it is written, now listen to this, what no eye has seen and no ear has heard what has not dawned upon the human heart, what God has prepared for those who love him, that's all of you, God has disclosed to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches out everything, even the deep things of God. 
For who knows what is in a person except the person's spirit which is in him? Nobody knows you except you. Likewise also, no one recognizes the things of God but the Spirit of God. Now we ourselves did not receive the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit that is from God, so that we might know the things that have been graciously given to us by God. You can also translate, that have been given and continue to be given to us by God. So the Spirit opens our eyes so that we see what God gives us. But the unspiritual person doesn't receive the things of God, for they are foolishness to him. Indeed, he cannot know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But the spiritual person discerns everything. Five senses, five spiritual senses. While he himself is discerned by no one, for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to advise him? We, however, have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ, which means that we can think as Jesus thinks. We can see as Jesus sees. We can desire what he desires. We can feel as he feels. We can imagine what he sees in us and in the world. Now, simple illustration to, 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 to give you the basic picture here. Um, imagine that you were a bit of a nut um, uh, and you were interested in, uh, in little critters and insects particularly and you're a real thing about ants. Um, I have a, a grandson who just loves little critters. Um, uh, he likes ants but uh, he, little lizards is his, his favourite thing. Um, now just imagine you were uh, a, 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 an ant lover and you loved them so much that you wanted to communicate with them. And you wanted to show the ants how much you cared for them and how much you admired them and loved them. How can you communicate with an ant? Now, you could stand over the ant colony and say, Hi, how are you down there? I love yous. Now, what would happen? They'd be utterly terrified and they'd attack you to try and get you as far away as possible. Why? What's the problem? You are speaking to ants in human terms which they can't understand except negatively. So what would I have to do in order to communicate with the ants? Two simple things which are impossible. First of all, I'd have to turn myself into an ant, live an ant life, and speak to them in ant language, in ant terms. In fact, ants don't talk as far as we know, so I'd have to translate everything into smell terms, that's the basic sense that they have, and particularly touch. So I'd have to translate everything into smell terms, touch terms, and God knows what other uh, senses they have. <laughs> I've never been there. I've experienced much. Right, you get the basic picture? But even then, I mean, I could understand them, and I, I could explain things in Anne's terms, but unless they had a human mentality, a human spirit, a human mind, they couldn't understand what's going inside of me. They couldn't understand what I felt and imagined and thought and uh, 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 did uh, unless I gave them a human mentality, a human spirit. That's the way what God does. He does two things. He becomes a human being 
in Jesus um, and speaks to us in human language with human pictures. And then he gives us his Holy Spirit by his speaking to give us the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. What does the mind of Christ mean? It means that I think the same as Jesus. I see the world with Jesus' eyes. I desire the things that Jesus desires. I imagine things with his imagination. And I feel about myself and others the way Jesus feels about me. That transformation. Um, yes, I'll... Uh, how much more? Five minutes? Okay, uh, you can touch, just, just uh, the rest is there, uh, you can follow it up. Just any questions just on that? See the way it works? Um, read that passage again and read what I have uh, there. Now, um, uh, I want to make it quite practical, um, just in the last remaining uh, me minutes. Now, um, now, what does this mean? Good Lutheran question. I've spoken, this is what the way things are. Now, what does it, what does it mean? Um, practically for you. Uh, number one is that you don't leave your imagination behind when you come into church. You don't leave your imagination behind when you read the Bible. In fact, you switch it on and you're allowed to be switched on more than anywhere else. Because without imagination at some level, and all of us imagine differently. We have different one of senses. Some people are hearing people, um, other people are seeing people, other smelling, tasting, and touching people. You all know that. It's interesting to classify people dominant, what's their predominant sense. Okay? You bring yourself, your imagination, with its five senses to you to church. And you do the same when you read the Bible. But above all, you do that when you meditate on the Bible. Um, you see what is being said here. Number one, you listen, and then you see what's being said in order to receive what's being given here. So the basic question that I ask myself when I come to the Bible and meditate is, um, who or what is spoken about here? That's number one. And then who or what is compared with who or what um, with whom or what, how and why. So it's always speaking in analogy, picture language. Okay, that's a bit abstract. Let's make it quite simple. Um, uh, Luther was supremely good at uh, uh, teaching these kinds of things. And he says, uh, okay, now when you come to, the, to a scripture story, a story about Jesus and the Gospels, how do you engage with it? Um, now, he says, first of all, he'd advise that you picture it, you paint it, if you like, on a screen, like a television screen, with your five senses. Okay, you see what is going on, you hear what's going on, you smell what's happening, you taste, if that's appropriate, and you feel what's happening. The sense of feeling, in a tangible sense. You know, it's hot or it's cold, um, but notice particularly physical interactions between 
people and Jesus and Jesus and people. Um, so you paint the picture, number one. And then secondly, you step into the picture and you identify yourself with one or other of the people in the story. So take today's gospel. We have, G we have the disciples going across the Lake of Galilee um, in the boat. Um, uh, you, if you meditate on it, you've got to picture that happening with your five senses. Uh, and secondly, you've got to enter the boat yourself so that you're one of them. And it, it, as you heard that story, who do you think Matthew wanted you to identify yourself with? Peter, okay? In what way am I like Peter? Um, five senses. Um, how does Peter, how do the disciples feel? How does Peter feel? And then that's the second stage. And then, um, uh, yes, uh, then uh, uh, see that what Jesus does to Peter, he does to you. Hmm? Say again. What Jesus does to Peter, he is doing to you here and now as you're meditating. Or those of you going to come to church this morning, what Jesus does to Peter, he's doing to you in this service today. Um, Jesus speaks to you. Uh, uh, you can't see him clearly. It looks like a ghost at the best, you, but you hear him speaking. You hear him saying, take heart, it is I. Don't be afraid. Most of you are afraid, aren't you? Something like that. Uh, he's, you hear him speaking to you. Uh, you see him unclearly. And like Peter, uh, you say, speak to me. Um, tell me, command to me, and I'll come to you so that I can not just hear you, but actually see you. That's why Peter wants to go in the water. He wants to see Jesus. Um, and uh, you hear Jesus saying to you, come, and you step out, and you do the impossible. You imagine the impossible, that you can actually walk on the water. And uh, then, but sadly, just like Peter, what happens so often? You take your eyes off Jesus, focus on this, and what happens when you do that? You sunk. <laughs> but that's not the end of the story. Because Peter then knows he's speaking again. He cries out to Jesus, Lord, save me. And what does Jesus do? He takes Peter by the hand and he takes him into the safety of the boat. And as soon as Jesus is in the boat, the storm disappears. Wow, that's something special, isn't it? Um, so the important thing is to, to uh, uh, receive what Jesus is saying and doing in the text personally, to you individually, and to trust, to believe that it's done to you. And Luther says, if you, if you believe in it, you, if you believe in it, you receive it. Okay? That's imaginative meditation. That's seeing what you hear. I'm going to stop there. Let me give you a blessing. God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, give you a spirit of wisdom and knowledge to enlighten the eyes of your hearts so that you may 
know the hope to which you've been called, the immeasurable riches of his grace that are given to you, and the mighty power which is at work in you who believe, now and always. Amen.